0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, welcome back to New Books in Latin American Studies at podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Candela Marini, and today we're talking with Professor Mark Raboy. Mark is a writer, journalist, and emeritus professor in the Department of Art, History, and Communication Studies at McGill University. He's the author or editor of 21 books, including The Handbook of Global Media and Communication Policy, published in 2011, and Marconi, The Man Who Networked the World, published in 2016. He has also collaborated with reports for organizations such as the World Bank, UNESCO, the Japan Broadcasting Corporation, the European Broadcasting Union, the Policy Research Secretariat of the Government of Canada, and the Quebec Ministry for Culture and Communication, He's a member of the International Council of the International Association for Media and Communication Research, past president of the Canadian Communication Association, a member of several editorial boards. From 2001 to 2003, he served as expert advisor to the House of Commons Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage for its study of Canadian Broadcasting. And he's also a founding member of an international advocacy campaign for communication rights in the Information Society. Today, we're going to discuss his last book, Looking for Alicia, The Unfinished Life of an Argentinian Rebel, published this very year, 2022, by Oxford University Press. Welcome, Mark, to the New Books Network. Um, It's an honor to have you here.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. It's really a pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Um, So this book seems to be quite unlike anything you've worked on before since you actually put yourself inside the book and interweave a lot of your own personal story with that of Alicia Raboy and her family. And since in these interviews, we actually like to start with the author telling us about themselves. In this case, it just seems like the perfect way to start the conversation. Um, So Mark, could you share with us a little bit about your formation, um, the different kind of careers and interests you've had, and how you became an expert in media and communication studies?
0: Yes, well, absolutely. It's true that this book is completely different from anything that I've ever done before. It was also something that I never expected to do because um, the 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 story of Alicia just kind of came up really out of nowhere uh, uh, for me, and I'll get to that in in a few minutes. But um, to answer your question, so. Um, uh, I was born in the United States. Uh, my, my parents were, my father was Canadian, my mother was American and um, uh, we uh, moved to Canada when I was two years old. So I've really lived in Canada all my life um, and uh, in fact I even gave up my U.S. citizenship some time ago. So I'm uh, I'm a Canadian and um, I grew up in uh uh an immigrant family actually i mean my 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 four grandparents were uh immigrants from uh uh, the region of eastern europe which is now all part of ukraine and that's a whole other story but of course at the time uh, my father's family came from um a part of the Russian Empire, and my mother's family came from what was then the austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, and And this actually becomes an important part of the uh, the story of what drew me to Alicia and the parallels between us because um, because her family also came from that region. But to get back to me, <laughs> uh, so I, I I grew up in Montreal. Um, I, I I went to school in Montreal. I did all my university studies at mcgill university um, i was involved in student activism in the 60s uh, i became a journalist i also worked briefly as a community organizer and um, eventually i did a phd in communication and i became a university professor and uh, you, you did a very good job of running down the resume of my career <laughs> thank you very much for that um, so um, I, now you know I've I've always been interested in the uh, uh, political connections between um, media communication and and broader um, forces, social movements, and so on, and and um, and so forth, and uh, and that's really again that's also part of what drew me to the story of Alicia.
1: So. By now, I think we mentioned her last name as well, Alicia Raboy, and probably listeners have realized um, that you share the same last name. Um, So maybe you can tell us how you became interested in her story.
0: Yes, of course. Um, So uh, as I said, it just really came out of nowhere. Um, um, Shortly after I retired from my teaching position at McGill uh, with my partner, We began planning a a trip to Argentina just just because you know we'd never been there and we wanted to go to Argentina. And uh, while preparing this, uh, I remembered you know a story from my from my childhood where my grandfather, my rabbi grandfather, actually had gone to Argentina for a year at the beginning of the twentieth century, and then he went back. Uh, to Ukraine, married my grandmother, and they emigrated to Canada. And it was something that I'd occasionally wondered about over the years. Of uh, you know, Why did my grandfather go to Argentina? Why, did, why didn't he stay there? Um, did we have relatives there? So just on a whim, uh, one evening while preparing this trip, I googled Raboy, Argentina, and all of this stuff came up um, about this woman, Alicia Raboy. And uh, you have to just try to imagine, you know, the kind of, the, the kind of reaction that I had to this because um, not only did it indicate to me that there was uh, someone in Argentina who shared my last name, but Alicia was almost a mirror image of myself. Um, uh, as I read about her on the internet, I discovered that um, she was born a month before me. Her father, like my father, had emigrated from Ukraine um, around 1920 as children. I mean, her father was born uh, a year after my father. Uh, They were both, both of them were born um, about 30 miles apart in this little area of Ukraine. And actually, Everyone I had ever encountered or heard about who had the name Raboy came from this region. and um you know, I had this fantasy, I suppose, that we were all related, but either we were all related or we were not all related, but <laughs> certainly we certainly came from this uh, from this same area. Um, I also discovered that uh, Alicia had been a, uh, a political activist as a, as a young woman, as a student. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I had also been a political activist in the 1960s. But as it turned out and as I discovered, I mean, Alicia was much more um, it, it committed organizationally and that she, would, she actually was in a structured political organization. I was not. I was, I was more, you know, I was involved in demonstrations against the Vietnam War and for social justice in different aspects like this. But this was certainly a point that we had in common. And again, I remembered that um, in the 70s, when we started to hear stories about what was happening in Argentina and about the disappearance of young people and activists and so on, I had occasionally wondered what might have happened to me if my grandfather had remained in Argentina and here with the story of alicia i had one possible answer to that question as i said it was like it was like looking in the mirror and seeing this other person who'd had a life that paralleled mine up to a certain point and then the parallel lines diverged and of course here i am today and alicia Disappeared in 1976. I mean, she was one of 30,000 people who disappeared in Argentina during uh, the military dictatorship of that period. But every one of them was a person, and every one of them had a story. Every one of them lived a life—they, they, you know—in uh, an unfinished life, as I say in the subtitle, in the subtitle to the book. Um, uh, Alicia simply vanished uh, in 1976 at the age of 28 and um, so uh, I decided that I wanted to I wanted to explore this I wanted to explore the parallels between our lives and I also wanted to learn about Alicia and I wanted to share her story with the world, <laughs> if I may say so, it sounds a bit pompous perhaps, but um, uh, one, one, one thing that I hadn't mentioned is the reason there was so much information about Alicia on the internet was because she had been the partner of a very famous Argentine poet, um, journalist, and revolutionary leader, Francisco Urondo, and um, there was this event in uh, Mendoza Argentina 1976 where Paco and Alicia and their uh, infant daughter Angela were ambushed by a, uh, a police death squad and uh, Paco was murdered on the spot Alicia was uh, whisked away and, um, and as, as was their daughter uh, uh, Angela was eventually recovered by her family but Alicia was never seen or heard from again now as I, as I said um there was a lot of interest in the story of Urondo, and Alicia appears in that story almost as a footnote mm-hmm. uh, so w- w- you know when you when you actually and this is one of the wonderful things about the internet if you actually w- look up Alicia Raboy you see all this information, but most of it is just is in connection to her partner, Paco. And, you know, this seemed to me an additional injustice aside from the injustice, uh, the the terrible injustice that had been uh, done to her, um, you know, by the authorities. Um, It it was clear. And I think it's clear to everybody that, you know, that that she was more than a footnote and and her story deserved uh, to be told. Now, I didn't want to take that upon myself without um, the uh, consent and agreement of her surviving family. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Alicia, uh, and Paco had a daughter, um, Angela, who is now in her forties, and she is uh, herself a human rights activist in Argentina. She's very much involved in the movements of children of the dis- of the Desaparecidos, children of the disappeared, um, and and she has written her own book about her own quest for identity as the child of two. Uh, victims of the uh, of the dictatorship Um, so uh, I I got in touch with her and uh, and we met when um, uh, when I arrived in Buenos Aires and uh, and she invited her uncle to come along to the meeting her uncle being uh, Alicia's brother uh, Gabriel um who is the last surviving uh, sibling there were there there had been three alicia and a, another brother jose luis who passed away a few years ago um, and you, you know, we we, we we had a wonderful, wonderful first meeting where we shared a lot of information. Uh, you know, Gabriel had had made a family tree of his, uh, of his, of his ancestors, and that I was able to look at, and we could see where we had points of similarities and so on, and 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 you know, and we began uh wondering whether we would be able to establish uh, uh, a clear connection and you know that's again something that i go into in uh, in the book but what was important for the purposes of um uh, of getting started on this was the idea of you know how did they how did they feel about this idea of essentially you know and and an outsider just arriving in their, in their lives, uh, 40 something years after, um, uh, the disappearance of Alicia and wanting to write about it. And they thought this was, this, this was a good idea. I mean, they, they, they were, um, uh, you know, I can't say they were ecstatic about it because <laughs> it was, it was, it was a, uh, you know, obviously a sensitive issue, a delicate issue, but, but they thought, yeah, 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 this would be, this would be very, very interesting to see, you know, to have this, this outside view, uh, you know, from someone um, who was not directly, I- intimately connected to it, who is not Argentinian, um, uh, you know, who, I guess you could say they expected that I would have, a, that it would be a sympathetic view given, um, you know the nature of my interest, and um, and 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 the, and, and the parallels, uh, you know, between between my life and Alicia's in terms of uh, what we had done. So that was that was the starting point. I mean, that's how um, I got started on it, and from there, um, I was able, with the help of Angela and Gabrielle, I was able to contact. Um, uh, Many, well, not a large number, but but a, a number of people who had known Alicia uh, either from uh, childhood, adolescence, mainly from her student uh, from her student life. I mean, that was where that was um, you know most of the people I I was able to to meet and. Uh, And later, um, you know, in the um, uh, underground political movement that she was involved in, the Montoneros.
1: May I say that now, if you look up her name in Google, because I did, I wanted to uh, try to see if I could find more photos about her. You actually uh, find a lot of information about her. Your book (laughs)
0: <laughs> appears a
1: lot. Uh, so And yeah, a little bit about Paco Urondo as well, but now she's like the center figure and no, no longer a footnote. Um, okay. <laughs>
0: that's, that's really good to learn.
1: Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit more about what you were just saying. Um, so this is obviously a very heavy, heavy period in, in Argentine history and it it defines and will continue to define in a lot of ways um, Argentine society and as you were just saying um, you you are um, may or may may not be related to the Arabobi family but you're sort of an outsider to this story um, exploring very and digging into very personal and painful memories Um, and I was wondering how did you navigate your place between these memories and um, in the book you actually say that this outsider's case can also be a sort of vantage point. Um, could you say a yes. little bit more about this?
0: Yeah yeah well, um, you know've um, I've worked as a journalist for many decades and and, and I've had a lot of experience of doing we're uh, working on stories where I need to kind of... Stay in the background, and you know, let people. I mean, I've learned it's something. It's a, a technique, let's say, that I learned over the years of, of 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 listening to people talk and 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 being remaining unobtrusive. So, in terms of the final product, in terms of the book, I'm very much present, and I'm, I'm and 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 I draw out, you know, all of the things I've been talking about. Uh, but when I was actually when I was actually talking to people in interviews and so on, it was it was really, uh, you know, I I, I I really tried to be uh, as uh, invisible or as discreet as possible while they were while they were telling what telling their stories. Um, so there there's a lot of that in the book. A lot of um, a lot of di- uh, direct quotation of. Um, uh uh, you know people bearing witness to different aspects uh, of of the story uh the tricky part was actually putting it all together uh, into a narrative form um that was on the one hand respectful of uh people's perspectives uh truthful to the extent that i was able to determine uh you know some 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 kind of uh narrative thread that uh that 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 was as close as i could possibly come to reality and at the same time uh bring in the parts that were important to my connection to the story uh so i think what, what 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 you what you have when you actually read the book is you you have you have three parallel stories that are drawn together that are blended in a way I call it a braided structure uh, I mean there's there is the story of Alicia's life and uh, there is the story of the context of Argentina during during that period and uh, more broadly, in general, and then there is the story of the writing of the book, and that's where you know my 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 own interests, my motivations, and um, and 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 these parallels uh, uh, come come into it. And I think readers, different readers, will get different um, benefits out of it. I mean, some people will be will be mainly interested in one part or the other, but what 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 I was certainly trying to do. Um, you know, in the overall project was um, look for, you know, these connections and uh, the universal themes that I could see. I mean, Alicia was obviously uh, very, very, very rooted in the context of Argentina of the 1970s, but she was also, there's also a certain universality to her, uh, I write in the book at one point that she had the DNA of a typical 1960s radical. I mean, she could have been anywhere, really. She could have been she could have been German. She could have been Japanese. You know, she could have been uh, uh, American in the sense that she was she was part of a of a global current of you know of of young people who were uh, trying to uh, act uh in favor of social justice and human rights and so on in their own particular contexts and in a broad general way. And um in uh in this respect I think I think there are a lot of parallels to be seen at the same time as one looks at the very, very concrete um specific story of uh, uh Alicia. Um and to me, it's fundamentally a human story as well. I mean, it's a it's 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 a story of a of a woman's life, and um, the fact that we don't know how it ends <laughs> is is uh, is also fundamental.
1: Talking about all these um, parallels that you were just mentioning. Um, one of the first things we see when we open the book, well, first it's a photo of Alicia, but then uh, we see a family tree, right? And it, this is kind of, it re- reflects this idea of how many, this reflection you're trying to do of how many lives and history um, may be mirrored across time and space. And, um, and when you're trying to find out whether or not you're all related, um, you recreate where the rubble in Argentina came from, and and you compare those lives with those that went to Canada. Um, And then you analyze the history of European pogroms and Jewish migration to the American continent, particularly between 1880 and 1930. That's when you also find out that Alicia's father, Nuka, lost his parents as a child and was eventually adopted by some relatives in Argentina. Then, as we know, Alicia herself became one of the thirty thousand disappeared by the dictatorship, and I wonder what your reaction was when, as you were writing this book, tensions in Ukraine were how high, and and now thousands of Ukrainians are fleeing the regions, the same region once again um, as they uh, resist Russian forces. So there's a sort of again, I don't want to say cyclical, but some another kind of echo or. or Parallel, uh, history here with Nuke's lives, life Alicia's fate, and and today's refugees, um, from the same region as Newki, Nuke and 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 your own grandparents. Um, so yeah, what was your reaction as you were noticing all these parallelisms and echoes?
0: That's that's a wonderful question. Um, actually, I mean, I finished the book. I. I I sent in my final, final corrections on the 31st of January, 2022. And the Russian invasion of Ukraine was on the 24th of February, so three weeks later. So actually, my book does not directly take into account the current events in Ukraine. And that's probably a fortunate thing for me because I, I I think I might've driven myself a bit crazy if I'd had to try to, to, you know, to try to, to, to bring in the, the current situation um, to the book itself. But, you know, when I, when I went back after that a few weeks later and reread that chapter on the Ukraine, well, you know, I, I mean, this is this, there. There's a very tragic history to that to that region that goes back that goes back hundreds of years, um, and um, the, the story of Nuka's family and my own family is tied up with the conflicts over. You know, over what is what 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 is that part of the world um, going to be? You know, um, I, I mean, the actual period, the actual pogroms of 1920 took place in the context of a very strong Ukrainian nationalist movement, which was trying to create an independent republic of Ukraine for the first time, and 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 at the same time as that, there. You know, you just had the collapse of the Russian Empire and the uh, the rise of uh, the Bolshevik government the foundation of the Soviet Union, and you had you had a civil war in the basically the you know the entire area of the former Russian Empire and the current Soviet Union. So it was in this context. Uh, that 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 the the, the pogroms uh, uh, of the period uh, took place and uh, you know there was you have the mass migration but you still had uh, obviously many people many millions and millions of people including a certain number of uh, Jewish people who have remained in Ukraine over the uh, you know over the it, uh, the past over the past century and who are who are still there and um you know we we we, we don't know the full extent of the atrocities that are being uh, uh that are taking place in Ukraine at the moment but and and uh uh you know i'm afraid we're going to we're going to learn that eventually um so it, it's 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 a very uh complex and difficult uh, situation as I say I didn't uh, I didn't have to take account of it in um, you know in that in that section of the book but when 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 one reads that chapter I think it's a I think it's a pretty good uh, background to understanding um, the context I mean even between the period where I'm writing about Ukraine it's really in 1920 more or less and uh and I was writing more or less in 2020 or 2021 and uh I included two maps in the book one of Ukraine of 19 uh 21 and one in Ukraine 2021 and one sees the kind of you know the shifting borders uh, the changing ways in which uh you know uh place names have evolved from, from from being in some cases Polish, in some cases Russian, eventually Ukrainian and, and and so on. And when you focus in on the on the small regional area where my family and Alicia's family uh, came from I, I'm I'm not sure how much has actually changed very greatly? Um, you know, with with today, uh, if you look at the overall map of Ukraine, I mean, where our family comes from, it's it's a very small area in the in the complete southwestern corner of the country, and it, it, this is an, an, an area that has been um, that has seen relatively little action compared to the main. Areas where where the where the where the um, uh, where the fighting has been taking place in the you know in, in recent months, but it's an important area. It's an important border area. I mean, it, it borders with uh, present day Moldova, and we know. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Moldova proportionally has has had the 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 the, the largest number of Ukrainian refugees come in of any of the bordering countries. And those refugees would all have passed through the region where um, um, my family came from and where we still, I don't actually know of any uh, relatives who are still there, but there may still be, because this is this is a, a, another thing about doing this kind of research is that um, it, it, it's very difficult to find... Records from uh, you know from the 1920s because of well, various reasons. I mean, either natural disasters or uh, records that were willfully destroyed at different points in time. Um, so uh, you know, there's still work to be done. I have to say,
1: and, I, and also how you explain how names were kind of accidentally, kind of sometimes given or taken and. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: well, I mean, the, the, the story of names is, is 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 interesting, and it's almost a bit humorous, actually. While I was doing the research, as I as I mentioned, uh, the name Raboy is uh, is quite rare, and uh, I've only encountered uh, a few family branches with uh, with that name. And as I say, they all come from the, from the same this same area. And uh, what, what, what one has to realize is that uh, Jewish rural people in this region uh, uh, never had family names until the middle of the 19th century when the Tsarist administration in Moscow decided that they wanted to be able to um, keep track of, of people for for their own reasons. They wanted to be able to tax people. They wanted to be able to conscript them into the armies and, and, and so on. So they, they obliged people to take family names. And, and people in, in most cases just paid no attention to this until an inspector came along and said, what's your name? And if someone didn't have a name, they were assigned a name. And Rabboy, as it turns out, in the language of that, uh, you know, of that region in that period, raboy means a, 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 a pockmarked person. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so what I was, what I was able to conclude is maybe Alicia's family and my family are not blood relatives at all, but we probably each have a pockmarked ancestor. You know who who was given that name in the eighteen forties or eighteen fifties uh, when uh, you know when the czar's uh, government was giving uh, was handing out people's names uh, uh, because names were often given you know it, you, you you could be given the name of your father for example like if someone if you if you run into someone today whose name is Abramovich it means that. At the time when names were being given out, someone's father was Abram, so they became Abramovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other people were, were given names dependent on uh, where they came from. Uh, like my, my own uh, uh, great grandmother's name was Tulchinsky, which is which means someone who comes from uh, the town of Tulchin. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, some people were given names based on a characteristic, Like, and Raboy seems to have been uh, that kind of name. Now, having said that, um, I did do a commercial DNA test with Gabrielle Raboy, Alicia's brother, and it turns out that we are a match. Uh, I just... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a distant match, but a match nonetheless. I mean we may be uh, we we may be fourth cousins, which would mean that we had a common great great grandfather. <laughs> grandparent, came, grandparent Yeah.
1: Which came as a surprise, right? Because the first time you did the test there was no match. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then family yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because we did the test. And then uh, I guess I was too, uh, uh, you know, I was too impatient. I I ch- I checked the uh, the database uh, before the results of the two match of of the two uh, of the two tests were, you know, were, were were into the common database. And then when I when I checked again uh, some months later. Um, yeah, we were we were a match, and if you if you actually you know go into the database today, you see that that we that 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 we 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 are a, we are a match, um, but uh, we're 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 not as close as uh, as I thought we might be. But it doesn't matter, as it turns out. I mean, we we are you know we've we've established we've established the connection. I mean, our our <laughs> our, our families now are you know are quite are quite close and we were we 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 have a lot of contact and uh, um, Gabrielle actually has a a daughter who lives in Montreal just you know a few kilometers away from me and we're and uh, uh, you know we're 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 in touch by Skype and WhatsApp uh, regularly and uh, and 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 so on. So, as I say again, as I say in the in the, uh, in, in the last chapter of the book, I now have an Argentinian family.
1: <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Um, let's let's talk about Alicia. Um, so, you were saying before that she, in some ways, she's like a typical teenager from the nineteen sixties. So, could you? describe her a little bit more what was she like um, I know that most testimonies agree that she was a rebel
0: <laughs> yes yes she um, well it's yeah and of course I, I'm talking not only about her as a teenager but as a, as an adolescent and a young and a young adult in this in, in that in that whole period where where we know a, a fair amount about her she was certainly rebellious she was also very principled and very determined um and when she set her mind to something she went through it um you know to the very end and that was that that, that was a very strong characteristic of hers uh, which which uh many people mentioned and which i think had a lot to do with uh, with her destiny uh alicia began you know, she was 14 years old when she began um, uh, being actively involved in political activity i mean at the age of 14 she was distributing uh, pamphlets for the, the fede the youth wing of the argentinian uh, communist party and um Within a few years after that, she uh, uh, she became less interested in that political organization. And when she came into university, uh, she was one of the early members of uh, the Fen, uh, Federación Estudiantil Nacional, the Argentine National Students Federation, which was uh, an organization that was created uh, in. The late 1960s to uh, bring people together to to basically uh, struggle for uh, more democracy and more academic freedom and uh, around student issues basically, but they also began uh, uh, making links between issues that were taking place in the broader society outside of the student world and. through going through this organization, the FEN, uh, Alicia eventually became involved in a, a Peronist youth movement which was close to a, uh, the leading uh, revolutionary organization in Argentina of the period, um, a group known as the Montaneros, uh, who modeled themselves after um, the Cuban Revolution uh, the Cuban Revolution was a very important influence uh, everywhere in Latin America and worldwide, I would say, in that period. But particularly in Argentina, this, uh, uh, the Monteneros, who by 1970 were the most important uh, left-wing oppositional uh, organization, uh, they, they, were, they were trying to bring about a Cuban-style revolution in Argentina. And uh, Alicia was recruited into that organization uh, around uh, 1970 or 1971, and she became involved in various activities there. Uh, At first, she was working in uh, communications. um, And uh, uh, after a a very short while, uh, when the the Montaneros decided to set up a daily newspaper, a mainstream newspaper, not a propaganda sheet. Uh, Alicia was assigned to work on the newspaper. She was 23 years old uh, or 24 years old at the time. And uh, the editor of the newspaper was Paco Arondo, who was who was already a very well-known, very established um, poet and journalist and also a, a senior member of the Montenero organization. Um uh, Paco was was quite a bit older than Alicia. He was um, uh, he would have, he would have been in his forties by then, and Alicia was in was in her twenties. And they uh, very soon after the newspaper got started, uh, they fell in love and they began a romantic uh, relationship that had to be kept secret at first because um, they were they they were they were both. At least nominally involved with other people, and and the Monteneros had a, a had a very puritanical, I would say, uh, code of behavior that that frowned upon uh, adulterous uh, relationships. Although probably you know there was a lot more of that going on than, than they than, 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 than they would care to uh, to uh, admit. Uh, but this was an important part of the story because it, it was eventually. Uh, something that uh, uh, that 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 came back to to haunt them when when they were they were actually uh, uh, charged within within the Montenegro organization of uh, of of engaging in disloyal behavior because this was this this as I say was fr- was frowned upon and this and and, and they were um, uh, they were assigned to go to uh, to work in Mendoza which uh, is a lovely city but at the time was a, a, a very difficult place for militant activity because the uh, the Montenegro organization had been uh, infiltrated uh, by uh, police and informers and so on and um, uh, Paco and Alicia's friends and 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 and, and uh, people close to them said to them you know don't you shouldn't go to Mendoza it's it's going to be a death trap but they felt that they had to they felt that they, they you know the being members of a uh political organization like the Montaneros, uh, you know meant that you, you 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 had to you had to do what was what, what uh you know what was expected of you. And in this case, they were they, they were assigned to go there and to work in the organization in, in Mendoza. And, you know, this was the beginning uh, of the end of the story, if you will.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Montoneros. So you were just mentioning that um, the, their relationship, that of Alicia with Pago, was deemed as sort of, um, reason or disloyalty to their own um, code. So, what was it like to work within Montoneros, um, and particularly in her case as a woman? What was it like to be a woman soldier in Montoneros? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, if, um, as far as I was able to establish, and it's you know, it's not an easy thing because there aren't there are not many people around who will would would you know. Talk freely about uh, about what it was like, especially you know, to to an outsider as uh, as uh, uh, as I am. Um, but as far as I could tell, there was a very very powerful uh, sense of com- comradeship and solidarity, uh, you know, among the people that one was working with and. Um, in the organization, you know, for security reasons, you didn't always know who was in the organization. You only, you only knew who you had to know. So there was it, it was a relatively large organization, but um, but people were working together in in relatively small groups. Um, and now, at at a macro level, let's say, um, the situation, you know. Women were expected to do uh, traditional women's work within the organization. Women were women were ex- were expected to uh, to maintain uh, maintain the home, to to have children and to raise them, and so on. Um, but a- again, at the at the actual day-to-day level, what I've been able to establish from you know the women that I spoke to or whose or whose testimonies I was able to read uh, in, you know, it, it was like, like anything else. In, 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 in many cases, they were completely equal. In some cases, they may have been in difficult, in difficult relationships. Uh, so there was a kind of disconnect between the, uh, the official, the official policy of the organization, which, as I said earlier, you know, was quite puritanical and the actual, Situation on the on the ground, um, where you had you know quite a you know quite a, quite a range of of experience. So, to give you a, one example. I mean, on the when Alicia and Paco were working on the newspaper, I don't think there was a particular difference between being a a, a woman journalist or a male journalist. On that newspaper in that context, because they, they considered themselves journalists and they were putting out a newspaper and they were doing something, and and you know the respect that someone like Alicia was able to re- receive was you know it was not because she was a woman or, if, or 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 it would have been different if she was if she was a man she was respected for her work. Now after the newspaper closed. Uh, because the newspaper was shut down by, by the by, by the government um, at one point, uh, Alicia was assigned to work in the Monteneros women's branch. Which again, which this this, this was a a typical a typical, uh, a typical uh, outcome for uh, for many uh, women in the organization. They would be expected to do to to you know to work. Uh, in uh, in in women's organizations or work with uh, women in the outside. Now in Elisa's in Elisa's case, uh, she uh, uh, her task was to set up a daycare center in a working class uh, neighborhood of Buenos Aires, where there had been where where you know where women basically had to do all the work of childcare and whatever else, uh, whatever else they had to do in terms of, you know, economic necessity. Uh, So on the one hand, you can say, well, you know, Alicia was sent to work in this women's organization because she was a woman and that's where she was supposed to go. On the other hand, you know, she was working on a project uh for the liberation of women i mean you know setting up uh, daycare centers in buenos aires in the 1970s had a tremendous impact on um on on women's lives so you know as i said there was this kind of disconnect between um uh, the the overall uh, political uh approach of the organization and what people were actually doing on the ground i don't know to what extent that makes that makes that makes sense but it's something that is uh i think only beginning to be explored and studied um, in argentina today i mean there's there's a very interesting uh, uh, book that appeared uh, right around the time when i was doing my research on uh, precisely on this on this question, on the question of, of uh, what it was like to be a, a woman in the Monteneros.
1: Um your voice went lower now. I think you moved over your microphone or something. Okay,
0: sorry, I did, yes. Actually, because I was, look, because I was looking in my, in my bookshop. For that this book. book. For that book, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I found it's a book. It's it's called Las Revolucionarias by Alejandro Berti. Um, anyway, is that better now?
1: Yes, yes, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, no, but yeah, actually, I, I, I hadn't heard much about this... Um, this kind of social initiatives like the daycare center um, and and the, the you also interviewed um, an obstetrician, right? That was helping um, a lot of people in the Montenegro organization. Um, and yeah, that's a that's a side of that history that it's, mm, hasn't been studied as, or at least not yeah publicly known as much. Um, but knowing Alicia's history and. If we go back to her younger years, I was really impressed with that essay she wrote when she was, what, 13 years old, 14 years old? Yeah,
0: when she was 14. Yes, uh, when Alicia was was, uh, in her uh, second year of uh, middle school, um, the students were assigned to write an essay on any topic of their choice, and she chose... To write about thalidomide, which was the so-called miracle drug of the period that was supposed to help women um, uh, deal with the physical unpleasant aspects of, of pregnancy, with morning sickness, morning sickness and so on, and and actually, uh, the, as it turned out, it was a it, it 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 was a hellish drug because it resulted in in um, uh, Babies being born with deformed limbs and so on, uh, and uh, this this was was a a, a global uh, story at the time, and um, and it's and 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 Alicia, it, that's what she chose to write about. Uh, her her topic was, um, what what the, the thoughts of a woman of a pregnant woman who has taken. Uh, thalidomide, and the school, uh, which was a conservative, uh, a public school, but very influenced by conservative Catholic values prevalent in Argentina at the time, the uh, the school found found this um, in, inappropriate, and um, uh, Alicia was asked to withdraw from the school for having, for having done this, and and. I think it was, it was something that not only did not make any sense, to, you know, to be for, to have a taboo on this topic, but she she had, the, she was completely supported within by her family, which was uh, a relatively liberal thinking uh, family in in Buenos Aires at, at the time, and uh, and I think. I think it 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 sharpened her view of the extent of uh, social injustice in in the world it, it, because this was uh, I mean thalidomide was marketed by a large international pharmaceutical company and there was a lot of controversy around it at the time because it, until the effects became really clear and obvious. Uh, This company continued to sell this, uh, this drug in different parts of the world and so on. So on the one hand, uh, you know, I think I think Alicia made a connection between um, the context of global, international, heartless capitalism, and patriarchy, and authoritarianism at the very local level you know the way the, the way her school had reacted to this and this is you know at the age of 14 she was beginning yeah, incredible. To, she was beginning to 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 formulate uh, her her view of the world you know and it just became clearer and sharper you know as she went as she went along you know by the time by the time she was in university um uh, uh, Argentina was under a military dictatorship that was that was uh, that was trying to limit academic freedom, and uh, you know certain uh, certain types of uh, ideas and books and so on were not uh, were not readily available, and and uh, and again every every layer of uh, injustice that she came up against. Uh, Sharpened her her political uh, uh, position, uh, and of course, uh, you know, by the uh, by 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 the time of this the terrible dictatorship of nineteen seventy six, you know, Alicia was was very firmly and clearly um, in the uh, opposing camp. So, uh, you know, she was. Uh, probably uh targeted uh, uh right from the beginning because you know she she had been involved in activities uh, as i mentioned as a journalist and um and 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 in in other things i mean she was she she was clearly known uh, as you know as, as as a an important uh figure in the in the uh opposition yeah
1: she she was clearly known and she was also being next to someone that was also very easily recognizable, right? Paco the people knew his face, um, so that didn't work in their favor, I guess. But I think that there's a sort of, um, un- I don't know, if we- uncomfortable question. Or um, uh, Rodolfo Walsh writes, you say that he wrote um, a journalistic piece about... Um, their death, and their disappearance, and um, he includes a statement that says that the Montanero decision of sending them to Mendoza was a mistake. Um, that Mendoza was a place with a heavy, with heavy para police operations, and and people knew, Paco would not know there. Um, it, it, do you? What's your take on this? Is there like the sense and maybe on on Alicia's family as well that this could have been avoided? Or
0: I think, I mean, the only way it could have been avoided is if if Paco and Alicia had refused to go to Mendoza. And if they had refused to go to Mendoza, uh, they probably would have uh, had to go into exile. And many people were going into exile at the uh, at the time, and it was a you know it was a choice. It it was a ch- it was even within with w- within the movement. It was it was it was a legitimate choice as well. But they chose to stay. They 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 were loyal to the organization. They were loyal to their comrades, their compañeros. In the organization, and 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 this is what, um, you know, when when they said no, we we have to go to Mendoza, there were two levels. I mean, on the one hand, it was an order that came down from above. Um, on the other hand, there was a purpose to it, and the purpose to it was to help uh, salvage. situation and basically save the people who were already there in Mendoza and were in in a certain sense besieged by um, the police and the military who were, you know, who were picking them off one by one. So um, the alternative was, was not to go to Mendoza and, uh, and that might have saved their lives. But again, they knew they were taking a risk, but they didn't. They, they, I mean, they weren't suicidal. They did. They did not expect that they were going to die by doing that. And it, um, you know, it's just like a, a, again to go back to early in the interview when you made we're making the parallels with Ukraine. I mean, we in in, you, in Ukraine today, you know, you have people who are going into exile and people who are staying and fighting. They're both. They're both valid, legitimate choices. You know, everyone has to decide what they're going to do. And the people who are staying and fighting, they they don't know that they are going to die. They know that they are at risk, of course. And and this was, so I think that was that was the situation there. And you know, as someone uh, uh, said, Horacio you know, uh, uh, Horacio the well-known. Argentinian journalist who was in the Montaneros, I mean, he said, uh, you know, we 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 never expected that that they were setting out to exterminate us. You know, so you knew you knew that you were at risk, but you didn't feel that the only alternative was. To leave the country because you you you, you know you thought you were you, you thought you could negotiate the risk, but as it turned out, it was it was impossible to negotiate the risk because it was it actually was an extermination campaign.
1: Yeah, um, perhaps I, I know we're taking a lot of your time, but um, to wrap up this story, we could talk a little bit about Angela Alicia de um daughter. And how her story illuminates on, on what happened with um, hundreds and hundreds of children of the disappeared. Um, would you like to talk about her?
0: Yeah, well, that's you know that 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 that's a whole story in itself. Um, uh, I mean, An- Angela, uh, An- An- Angela was. Uh, Captured or arrested, kidnapped, taken away, at the same time as her mother, and we 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 don't know precisely uh, uh, where she was taken, uh, but we we what we do know is that she ended up um, she was brought to an orphanage um, uh, in um, in Mendoza, and. Um, a few weeks after the event uh Alicia's mother and Paco's sister two middle-aged women went to Mendoza together to try to find out what had happened to them because they had been informed by the Montenero underground they were you know uh in, informed the families that that this event had taken place and that uh, and, and Paco had been killed Alicia was disappeared and Angela was somewhere and and and, and, and so these the, the two women went to Mendoza and um, they uh, Paco's sister found Paco's pa- Paco's body basically she was given custody of Paco's body Paco's remains and brought them back to Buenos Aires um, and and um, Alicia's mother learnt, where Angela was being uh, kept at uh, this orphanage, no one knew anything about Alicia, and no one, or, or at least so they said, uh, uh, it, it, there, there was no record, no trace, no memory of, of Alicia. She simply vanished. But Angela, uh, uh, Alicia's mother, was told that Angela is at this certain orphanage, and she was able to go there and, uh, you know, present herself. Uh, as the grandmother, she had documentation, uh, and she had Angela's birth certificate. She had photographs, and and Angela actually recognized her <laughs> uh, ah. when 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 when, she, when when she you know when she was brought to see her, and so so uh, Elisa's mother uh, Teresa uh, was given was granted custody of Angela. Um, she brought her back to uh, Buenos Aires, and and, and after. Uh, discussion within the family, Uh, uh, Angela was adopted by uh, Teresa's niece, Alicia's uh, first cousin of Alicia. And Angela was brought up um, in, in, so in, in other words, by a branch of her mother's family, but she was never told the story of what had happened to her parents. Uh, in fact, she, was, she, was, she, was, she, she knew that she'd had a birth mother, Alicia, uh, and she, she knew nothing about her father. Uh, and she was told that they had been killed in an accident uh, in a faraway place. And uh, that's, that's all she knew until she was an adolescent when she discovered the story of, uh, of what had happened to her parents and and she had actually she had never heard of Paco Rondo and when she when she realized as she learned gradually um uh who her father was you know one thing that 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 she has written and that she said to me uh, several times you know i discovered that everybody knew my father nobody knew my mother right so this is again this is another part of the you know the the uh uh, the 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 footnote uh, syndrome the fact that you know here Angela grew up knowing a little bit about her mother and nothing about her father and at the same time all the rest of Argentina knew that her father was this famous person and and her mother was was just completely uh, completely unknown. Um, so uh, Angela has actually become, she's very much like her mother, by the way, <laughs> she has the determination. She has the moral force and character of her mother, I believe. Um, she, she's, uh, she's a very determined activist, um, involved in, 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 you know, a whole range of activities in Argentina today. I mean, she, she, she writes and speaks and, uh, advocates, um, uh, uh, primarily for um uh, truth and justice uh, to the uh, for the survivors of uh, uh of the dictatorship and um and I think uh you know I think she's quite effective as well.
1: Yeah, and there are still a lot of things to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Thank you so much for writing this book and for this interview. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share, or are you working on anything else right now?
0: Well, uh, you know, the main thing I'm working on is is doing things like this interview because I, I really, um, uh, I, I, I I would I really hope that this book will will you know reach uh, uh, a wider audience. There's so many of the themes that i've tried to deal with that i think resonate with different groups of people you know and it's that 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 that's one of the things that makes makes it a bit difficult with uh, with a book like the one that i've written is that is that it it's not uh, you know you, you you can't simply put it into 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 one category and say okay this is you know this is this is about argentina or this is about you know a uh uh you know uh,
1: uh, uh, yeah, there's our, so much uh, that you know, we haven't touched upon. You also like explain a lot of Argentinian history and things of Peronism and yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's it. I need to uh, I need to I need to promote the book now.
1: <laughs> well, good luck with that. And if you ever write something else, it will be amazing to have you back um, in the podcast. And once again, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you.